What's up, everybody? Welcome to What's for Dinner, episode 169. Oh, my goodness. What a fun show. Uh, first of all, just uh, letting you know, you probably notice if you're a regular subscriber, and if you are, I thank you very much. Um, episodes are going once every two weeks now. Um, this is just to uh, spread out a little time in between episodes. I've been uh, kind of busy, so it's been tougher to sit down and do these things. So rather than ripping my own hair out, I just kind of made an executive decision to go once every two weeks. This week is fun. Today on the show, an old friend of mine, I've known him, we figured out, uh, met him probably around 2004, 2005, so I've known him for about 10 years or so. Uh, he's a great comic, and he is now a uh, host of his own television show. He's executive producing it. He's got a brand new show coming out with uh, Fox Sports. He tours uh, colleges, clubs. He was one of the, and we talk about this too, one of the first comics to really utilize the internet to uh, help promote himself. Uh, Steve Hofstetter is on the show. Uh, again, Steve, you probably best know him right now as uh, the host of Laughs, which is a syndicated comedy showcase show on the uh, Fox Network. And uh, Steve sat down with me today, and uh, you know, we talked a little about his early career and um, his involvement with MySpace and Facebook in their infancy. And then we started talking a lot about business. And um, if there's one guy you should listen to, it's Steve, because he uh, he definitely has his uh, his his foot in that uh, door. Foot in that door. That makes sense. He's in that world now. He's a comic whose whose uh, tenacity has got him into the executive world of uh, of the comedy game. And uh, he had a lot of great insight and a lot. He's, he's, he's a fucking motivational speaker with some of his analogies and some of his philosophies. So for those of you who are interested in comedy or a comic or just interested in hearing a lot of the um, uh, ins and outs of the industry, this is a really fun podcast for you to guys to listen to. And uh, if anybody out there wants to see me live and who wouldn't, I should let you know this Thursday, October 8th, um, not me, but Skippy Green, wink, wink will be uh, performing, headlining, actually, at Flappers in Claremont, California. And um, beyond that, uh, November 6th and 7th, I will be at the Comedy Spot in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. And then November 10th, my birthday through the 15th, Allison and I will both be at Chilkoot Charlie's in Anchorage, Alaska. So a couple great shows coming up. And um, you might not hear from me for a little bit because in a week, I will be in Italy with Allison for a much long postponed honeymoon. So I hope to talk to you guys while I'm there. But if not, you understand why. All right. I have been rambling for over three minutes. So why don't I shut up and you sit back and enjoy episode 169 of What's for Dinner with Steve Hofstetter. What's for dinner? What's for dinner? What, what's for dinner? Talking, talking about what's ever on their minds. Talking, talking about what's ever on their minds. And that's how we begin. Just like that. I, I wasn't expecting the electronica that we just Well, had. you know what? I uh, We have a high budget here. We yeah. have a high budget for the uh, podcast. All you need is 99 cents in the T-Pain app, and you got yeah. yourself a uh, electronica theme song. Is is T like Does T-Pain make his own songs from the T-Pain app? I actually heard he uses the iTranslate app. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just... That, that just he translates what he does is he translates his lyrics into French and then from French into German and then back into English. Yeah, back into English, exactly. And then that's why they don't really make much sense. Right. It's like a, a was it Rube Goldbar Goldbar Goldberg like maze of oh, translating the weird and translating yeah. until it comes back and 
It that, means something completely different. That is how that is how I was able to uh, get through one of my English classes in college through the translate. This was like early days of Internet Translate. And oh, so like really? no one knew. Yeah, there was uh, there was basically like we had this very pointless assignment where they would give us these pages and then they would say summarize the page. But then like you couldn't. But if you use the language on the page, then you were accused of plagiarizing. But we were basically supposed to rewrite exactly what they wrote in different words. It was the most pointless exercise. Wait, wait they gave you... They basically gave us, like, a page of stuff, and then we had to write a page about the page. It was so dumb. It, it, it you, Your puzzlement is exactly what was our puzzlement. So what I would do is I would just put it into, at the time, I think it might have been Alta Vista Translate. <laughs> And uh, translate it like French to Spanish to German to English, and then, it, then, it, and then clean up the grammar, and then boom. That's how you get an A. And that is how I get an A. So when you were in college, you were you had access to the internet. Yeah, I'm 36. Uh, wow, you're not that much younger than me, but there was I guess there's a huge gap because when I was in college, like the internet was, it wasn't like we had there was no online. I don't. I don't even know if I had a it, cell phone. I had a pager. My well, we didn't get cell phones till like senior year of college. Everybody had cell phones. Like that was, and I remember asking. I asked a friend of mine. I go, "What did we do before this?" And he goes, "We made plans." Because <laughs> like before we had cell phones, we would just be like, "Okay, everybody is going out to AmCaf tonight, and that's where we will meet." And but then after cell phones, it was like you just go to a bar, see who's there. If you don't like who's there, then you call your other friends. Go, where are you? Right. All right. We're okay. We'll walk over there. And it's. It's insane how much like that one little thing has changed everything about social interaction. Uh, absolutely, and the so yeah, we got internet. I remember uh, in high school, like my friend was very excited because he found ESPN's web address because it was before it was like ESPN.com. That was when it was like, you know, ESPN.go.com/slash/mlb/slash/nfl. <laughs> it was ridiculously. Oh, I remember those backwards, and so I think GeoCities was in there. I had a. I had a GeoCities website. That was my first website. Oh, that so, and Angel Fire. They're so gross. And then, uh, uh, anyway, so uh, it was, yeah, in college, my freshman year, I took a computer programming course. And on the first day of it, they said, anyone who already knows how to check your school email, you can go. <laughs> like, that was the first day's lesson. And so that's, so we had wow. internet, but it wasn't exactly It was like primitive common. Yeah, yeah, like we... Uh, my freshman year, that was when, like, a friend of mine made a website for the school paper. Our school paper, which had been around for 200 years and was award-winning and et cetera, et cetera. Like, that's how new everything was. So we did, you know, we did have the web, but it was developing as we as we went through. As everybody. Do you remember your first email address? Uh, yeah, my first email address was, uh, was SocksHat at AOL.com because I used to wear a white socks hat all the time. Do you so, mine was 10... 104621.116 at, at CompuServe. CompuServe. Yeah. 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 I had a CompuServe also, but I got that. Actually, you know what? I must have had a CompuServe before the AOL, but that was, I don't even think we had email addresses at the time. I, don't, I think you could only get messaged through other CompuServe. I think it was before you could it use it across. Forwarded. Yeah. You could only message each other through and within the CompuServe yeah. world. Okay. Yeah. But no, I got, uh, and then I was uh, Bueller007 at AOL.com. <laughs> For a while, and that came from that scene in Ferris Bueller where he goes Bueller, Ferris, Ferris Bueller. Bueller, nice. And so, and that was also one of the, and you took that for one of your CDs too, right? 
Uh, yeah, the uh, one of my Hoff albums, Steve Hofstetter's Day Off. Uh, I was a huge Ferris Bueller fan. I love oh. that movie so much. I know every word I can do. I, I can't do impressions. The only impression I can do is uh, is Cameron pretending to be Sloan's dad. I, I was the, just thinking the same thing. The pardon my French. Well, it depends. Clean version or or uh, or uncensored. Wait, wait, wait. Let's we'll we'll do the scene real quick because I'll play Rooney. Okay. I'll play Rooney. Okay. So oh, uh, it's been a while. Do do the do the dirty version. Do the movie version. All right. So the pardon my French, but you're an asshole. So and then oh. Isn't Rooney like going through pain? Right, right. That's right. right. And he goes, asshole. Right. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yes, sir. Nail yeah. the head. Nail it right on the head, sir. <laughs> oh, my God. I and love then, that movie. Yeah. And then the the clean version, it's not going to translate on, on the podcast, but the clean version is where he says idiot, but he mouths asshole, <laughs> which is hard to do. But pawn my French, mm-hmm. but you're an idiot. That was and actually pretty how, good. Yeah, it works. Yeah, I know you can't see it, but it's, you you're, you mouthed asshole. I did. As you said, I did. Multi-talented, Steve Hofstetter. That's the only impression I could do. It's just because we watched that movie so many times. Every time that I faked being sick and got to stay home from school, I would watch Ferris Bueller. So that was... Uh, which did you by, do the hammy, cl- the clam of hands, like bend over and moan and No, your I just straight up said, eh, I feel sick. And my mom had four kids, and she was like, all right, stay home. I was like, okay, cool. Thanks. Nice. And then I would, uh, and then, well, I, I discovered very early that, uh, you know, getting sick or pretending to be sick would get you attention. So that was something I did as a kid. I remember when I was a kid, like I did, because you can't, you could tell, but uh, for those out there, I have a little knee brace on right now because I did something to my knee. But when I was younger, um, I, I did something to my knee again and uh, I was on crutches. And I remember I was in a restaurant, I was going to the bathroom, and somebody opened the door for me, and somebody, and I'm thinking, man, people really help you when they think you're yeah. out of, when, when they think you're sick or whatever. It's a nice, and I had that same thought, See, like, it's I a gr- nice way to get a little attention. I grew up in New York where, like, your family and your friends would give you attention, but, like, other people, they wouldn't give a shit. Like, I remember being- I don't think I, much has changed in New York. No, no. I tore, I tore the muscle off my shoulder blade when I was 13. Aye. Uh, yeah, and so I had my arm in a sling for three weeks- and uh, I I remember, and I used to take the subway to school, and nobody, no, no one would give a give fuck. A shit, nobody <laughs> would get up. I was like, I can't hold on to anything. I don't have a hand. And no, fuck you. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Nice. And yeah. I, yeah, and like, I, it was the type type of thing where there would be like some middle aged guy sitting down comfortably taking up two seats, and there would just be a line of people standing. It would be like a nun, me in a sling, and a pregnant woman, like with all. Just be standing on the subway, just marveling at each other. And that one middle-aged guy's like, well, fuck you. I need I need a seat for both exactly. cheeks or something. I'm going two stops. I need to take this seat. <laughs> did you start stand-up in New York? I did. I did, uh, which is a tough thing. Um, wow. It's funny. Like, I always I thought s- you were a Midwest guy for some reason. Uh, no, a lot of people associate me with that just because... I mean, I'm born and raised in Queens, but just because I have clubs in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people... Like, and also, I made my bones on the road. You know, like, even though I started in New York, I hit the road pretty quickly because I realized that, like, you can't get the stage time you need when you're brand new in New York. Right. A lot of times people will go, oh, I want to do stand-up, so I'm going to move to move to New York or L.A. where, you know, where the stand-up scenes are the best. And it's like, well, that's not really how it works in this industry. Right. You know, you don't go, you don't be like, oh, man, I really like baseball, so I'm going to start playing for the Yankees. Like, <laughs> no, 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 you can't. You know, why don't you go play uh, high school ball where nobody gives a fuck? Right. And, you know, maybe you'll learn a couple things. Yeah, the worst thing you want to do is start out in a place where everybody is watching you. Everybody is watching you and everybody is better. 
Yeah. And that's not... Now, it's good to be around people who are better because it makes you up your game, but only if you have the stage time. So I always say to people, start somewhere to get good, move to New York to get great, move to L.A. to get famous. And that's the order. But, you know, people will start in New York. Starting in New York is really fucking tough. And so I hit the road probably within about a year. Of starting stand-up? Yeah, and and also... And how old were you? Were you right out uh, of high school or college? I was right out of college. Okay. So I started doing improv when I was 13. And then I turned it. I started doing stand up uh, when I was twenty three, so uh, I've been doing stand up thirteen years now. Okay. So it was um, it was something where I also got a lot of stage time really early because I would produce shows. So I was basically I was barking and giving out flyers, you know, just doing the whole like give me eight dollars and go see this show, which was actually for eight dollars an amazing show. We always had. You know, uh, Mark Marin and Ted Alexandro, Ed Helms, uh, Sarah Silverman. Like, these were the regulars that were on those shows. So they were, I mean, it really was a great show. Of course, you'd then have to sit through, you know, four Barkers doing five minutes each of garbage right. in order to get to the good stuff. Well, that's how it always is. Yeah. Uh, but it was, you know, still, you know, $8 ticket, you know, 13 years ago. That's still, you know, in New York. Right, I mean, yeah. Still pretty, on, a, on a Saturday night. Were you doing that at like a standard club or did you find your own venues? Uh, the Underground Lounge. So someone was already doing shows there. Um, the Underground Lounge, which is now uh, called something else, but uh, 106th and Broadway. Okay. Or 107th and Broadway. And uh, so there was a guy who was running those shows, this guy, uh, Danny McDermott, who's a comic. Uh, yeah he's still he's still banging around and he um so he was running those shows and i started barking for him and then pretty quickly i was like hey you have a room right by columbia why not open one by nyu and so then he and i went downtown together and found a basement at a bar called nevada smith's which ended up becoming like the best open mic in new york it was crazy we would have a line out the door of both comics and regular people to come watch it. Wow. And because of that, we ended up getting, well, our trick was we would put up a couple of good comics on it. So all the new comics wanted to watch it, and then people would come in because it was by a college, and they would wander in, and it was free. And, you know, they would watch, like, that was the first season of Chappelle Show, and Neil Brennan would come in regularly almost every week. And because we would treat him real well, and he'd have, you know, a girl on his arm and, you know, come in, and, and we would you know yes right this way and you know treat treat him super nice that's and how you do it yeah and then uh so he would go up and then other people would come there regularly also you know that doesn't surprise me like i when because you and i met um out here in la uh god probably, probably right. 2004 i moved here in 04 okay so I'm, right. i moved pretty quickly just because i wanted yeah, well, I, yeah just because i wanted to i wanted to change and uh you know new york was expensive and and la is LA is expensive, but not, but not uh, as not, expensive. Yeah, not that, crazy. That was one of the reasons I moved here too. When uh, when we were looking for a place, uh, when we came out here again the second time, and you know the time that stuck, uh, my realtor said he loves dealing with people from New York because they have such low standards for what's good out here. <laughs> like they're just like, what do you, you mean? You can get a place with more than four hundred square feet? Like you can, like what's a what's a guest room? Like they just don't know. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. So, uh, yeah, so we moved out here. Like, yeah, probably, oh, I must have met you oh four or 5. Yeah, that sounds about right. And um, you, like, when I, f- like, since the second I met you, you've always been a hustler. Like, uh, you, because oh, you, you started some rooms out here on your own. Yeah. And um, I remember you were, like, one of the first guys, I think, after Dane, really, to embrace MySpace and really use that beyond just a social thing. You used it as a marketing thing and... I actually did it before Dane, but he was already famous, so he his was bigger than mine instantly. 
But oh, I, really? yeah, I got on. I was actually before before Dane was even on MySpace. I was on Facebook. To, so 2004 when it first started, because Facebook started at the Ivies and I went to Columbia, and oh. so I was on Facebook real early and accidentally stumbled into this quest for friends, where it was, I uh, I I was it was a Christmas break, and I was, was just oh four oh five oh four oh four. So it was Christmas oh four. I'm Jewish. I had, it was bored as shit. And so I'm playing around on it. And I had some college shows coming up. I was playing Muhlenberg and, U- and UF. And so I started adding people from those schools because it had expanded to them by then. And all of a sudden, bunch, tons of people were adding me back. Like their friends were then adding me back because so few people were on it that they were excited. This is before the mass friending. This is before any of that stuff. And so then I was like, well, fuck, this is interesting. And it was funny. It was a social experiment. And it was a way to promote. Mm-hmm. And so... I mean, I'm, a, sorry, I'm sorry, this is MySpace or Facebook? Facebook. Okay. So I was a writer for College Humor at the time. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote a column called The Quest for 10,000 Friends. And the idea was I was going to see if I could get to 10,000 friends. And to me, 10,000 was an astronomical number. Two weeks. It took two weeks. And I was already at 10,000. I was at 15,000 by three weeks. And so then I changed it to The Quest for 100,000 friends. And by the time I got done with it, I had 200,000, and then they instituted that 5,000 cap. So right. sorry, everybody. That one was my fault. <laughs> uh, it actually it was the fault of the people who copycatted me because I didn't spam anybody when I was on there. But then other people were doing it to sell ringtones, and other people were doing it to promote poker sites, and et cetera, et cetera. So this is where we were on the internet, ringtones and poker sites. Right. And, but meanwhile, MySpace happened uh, for a, a crazy reason. So uh, there's someone named iJustine who is a very big internet personality. Um, she's got, I think, 2 million people on Twitter. She's enormous. Anyway, we dated briefly. And this was when I was a, I was a first-year comic and she was still in college. Um, wow. And so, so this is long before either of us did anything that we do now. Um, but she was very big into early technology. She was an early adapter of MySpace. And so my MySpace ID was actually something very, very low because what she did is she thought it was funny to, she created a fake Ashton Kutcher profile and she created a profile for me and she had them comment on each other's profiles. (laughs) Just, she did it to make me laugh and it was funny. But then all these teenage girls were like messaging me of like, you're friends with Ashton Kutcher? Like they just were able to find it. <laughs> it was a mate because they would go on, they would search for Ashton Kutcher and then I was allegedly his buddy. And it was all stuff like, hey, sorry, missed your show. Next time you're out here, man, we got to hang out, like stuff like that. And so then suddenly I was on MySpace and I saw the, the viral potential of it from all these teenage girls going insane for Ashton that I took over that fake profile that she made for me and that became a MySpace profile. Interesting. So it was super early on. So you actually, you kind of just were given like a high profile I was identity on MySpace. Well, I mean, it was when I say all these teenage girls, I mean, what are we talking, 50 or 100? I mean, it wasn't, it was, it seemed like a lot because it came out of nowhere, but it wasn't like, you know, something that would explode the internet. You know, it was just enough to show me the potential of all this. And you definitely ran with it. Like I, I re- did. I remember you had like a MySpace profile for almost every city you were performing in. I did. Oh, people got so mad. So I remember that too. <laughs> I well, it's MySpace's fault that that happened. I had a profile for every city I was in, and nobody knew. Like you didn't have to know because they weren't all collected. And the idea was that I wanted to give people something local to hang on to, and also I only wanted to promote. You know, if I'm going to be in Burlington, Vermont, like I couldn't stand. I got the idea when like I saw someone who was 
every week they would be like, hey, catch me in Reno, catch me in Sacramento, catch me in San Antonio, you know, et cetera. And I was like, well, most people don't give a fuck because they don't live anywhere near there. Right. So I was like, what if I do separate ones for each city and then only talk about that stuff and just kind of have one master profile as well? And so I did that. And then MySpace did the thing where they made the comedian's page. Right. And they forced me to convert all of those profiles to comedian accounts. What they didn't fucking count on was that of the top 100 comics, I was now 73 of them. <laughs> and that pissed a few people off. It pissed me off. I was like, I don't want to, can we convert these back, please? And they're like, no, we're trying to be organized. I'm like, you guys are trying to run your company into the fucking ground is what you're trying to do. And uh, I also had the address myspace.com slash comedy. That was my personal address. And uh, the idea behind that was when they gave out personal addresses, I was like, this is like the first day of the internet. This is, you can get whatever you want. Right. And domains were so hard to get, but, MySpace names weren't, and so instead of putting my name, I put slash comedy. Smart, and it uh, it definitely worked. Yeah, I mean, you you definitely have always had like an acumen for uh, being a little ahead of the curve and uh, really great business sense. Did you study business in college? I did not even for a day. So it's just that inherent Jew in you. You just know how to do the business. <laughs> uh, coming from a lot of other people, I would take huge offense to that. But I I know I'm, that, I'm... that no, I know that's why I'm saying it's perfectly <laughs> fine. I. Uh, it was, I've always been a salesman, and it was something that my mother early on said to me, like, oh, you, you'd be a great salesman. I was like, I don't want to be a salesman. Sounds like a, sounds like a, I don't, it sounds like a life I don't want, um, but I'm able to use the innate skills I have to convince people of things and to, and to really just understand what a customer would want. That's really the whole thing. It's just about being perceptive. And, you know, I've said many, many times, if anybody ever calls me smart, I correct them. I say, I'm not smart. I'm perceptive. Like, I understand what's going on. I understand what people want. And yeah. that is why I'm able to do this stuff. It's not a question of knowing more than other people. It's a question of just being able to put myself in someone else's shoes and saying, what would I want if I were that person? Well, that's what I have to sell them. That's good. And you also, I think what you have beyond that, that a lot of people lack is drive. Like, I think there's, a you know, there's... Consistent fear of failure, but yes. <laughs> Do you really have a consistent... I mean, at, even at this point where you are now? Oh, yes. I mean, that's what... I I don't know if I'll ever get comfortable, but I'm definitely not in a place yet. I mean, the way to be financially comfortable is when you have so much money, you don't have to look at a price tag, which I'm nowhere near. And the Fair way enough. to be comfortable in your career is when... There's never a question as to whether or not you deserve something. And so I've always said that making it as a comic, making it as a comic is walking into any comedy club in the country and immediately someone saying, you want to go up? Um, I don't have that. I have, I'm at the point now where about half of them, you know, mm -hmm. some, someone will know me, but to give you an example, um, now this was this was a couple years ago, and you know this is before I got my show. But I walked into the San Jose Improv. I was on my way up two years ago. I did the Seattle competition, okay. and I was on my way up there, and I wanted to run my set. And so we stopped in San Jose, and I went to the Improv, and I was like, "Hey, I'd love to grab a guest set. I know it's last minute, and this is a tough thing to do. You never want to ask one day of, but you know, I tried to reach out and I couldn't, so I just figured I'd walk in." And, you know, they said, they're like, well, you know, let's check with the headliner. I was like, of course, of course you have to, you know. It was Dale Hewley, who I had met, but I didn't know, mm -hmm. you know. And I was like, you know, so I don't know if he'll say yes or whatever. But meanwhile, 
So they decide, they're like, you know what, they don't even want to bother DL with it. I was like, I think he'll say yes, but can you give him that option? You know, they're like, well, you know, we don't want to bother him. So then two local comics see me, freak the fuck out, start so excited. I love your stuff. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm a subscriber to you on YouTube, blah, 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 in front of the management there. Wow. And they still were like, well, you know, we, we can't really give you a set. I was like, all right, I have not close to made it yet you know so and then uh recently probably two weeks ago i was in philly for a college gig and uh, my favorite sushi restaurant in philly is next to helium they share a wall mm. with helium so i popped my head in helium and it was mick foley was up and clearly um, that's not the right audience for me but i just wanted to go in and say hi and you know i know the manager there a little bit and uh, i had just produced a show for laughs there we did a taping there and I walk in and, you know, the person at the desk is like, oh, do you want to see the show? Uh, you know, do you have a ticket? I was like, oh, no, you know, I'm not here for the show. I just wanted to come say hi. I want to see if there were any local comics here, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, well, you know, we could sell you a ticket. I was like, I really just want to go sit by the bar, et cetera. And asked if the manager was there. And, you know, they're very skeptical. The manager comes out very kindly. Steve, great to see you. Do you want to get up tonight? And I was like, well, that's not why I'm here. <laughs> you know, I appreciate it, but that's okay. You know, and and that was a moment where I'm like, see, it's getting closer. It's mm -hmm. I was offered the spot, but first they try to sell me tickets. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like I'm definitely not I'm not at the comfortable point. Yeah, but point you're. Yet. I mean, you're, like you said, you're close. You still. I'm, get, I'm getting closer. You get the there. Getting closer. See, I always thought to me like making it as a comic was surviving, was paying your bills and doing nothing else but comedy. To me, that was always the benchmark of success. Anything beyond that is bonus. It's, you know, the cherry on the Sunday kind of thing. I And I, I think that, you know, that might be the difference. Like, I always, you know, I, I mean, I want Which is why you have goal. several TV shows and own a lot of clubs, and I'm working cruise <laughs> well, ships. But still. Well, no, I, I wanted that. I wanted that. Hey, you get to go places. You get to go many fancy Oh, I'm not, I'm not complaining. So, the uh, I've never even been on a cruise. You've never so, been on a cruise? Never been on a cruise. Dude, take a all, cruise. All my vacations have been on land. So I, I say all my vacations one. So, <laughs> uh, like I, I always saw that as a goal, you know, and that was something I wanted to do right away. But to me, to me, the the metaphor that I like to use is, a lot of people look up the staircase, and they see how far away the landing is, and they go, eh, fuck it, you know, I'll just go up this step. I look at a, I look up the landing and I go, okay, well, that's where I have to get to, but I'm going to do it one step at a time because the two mistakes are either to try to make the jump completely, which you can't. You got to go one step at a time mm -hmm. or to just give up because it's too far away. And those are the two common things I see in entertainment and in life in general that people do. You know, you have to set the what they call the, the BHAG, the big, hairy, audacious goal. <laughs> Uh, you have to set that goal. Is that what that, they say or is that what you say? No, no, that's like a marketing thing. That's is it like real? a business thing. Oh. Yeah, they call it your BHAG, the big, hairy, audacious goal. And the, you know, you have to set that ridiculous, you know, look as far as you want goal, but also, you know, the, you dial back and you go, okay, what are the steps to get there? And did you figure that all out on your own? Like you, you, you kind of had your roadmap and you said, okay, I need to do this, I need to do this. Or did you just put your feelers out to everybody, just absorbing as much as you can? Uh, I asked a lot of questions. I, I'm i on the internet a lot, and there's nothing that Google doesn't know. Um, or Alta Vista in my day. <laughs> uh, there was a lot that Alta Vista didn't know. But the, I think it's just a question of 
of being observant. So many comics strive for originality in everything but their approach to business. You know, on stage, they want to be so original. And then they go, well, this is how business has always been done, so this is how we'll do it. I'm like, no, aren't we supposed to be creative? Aren't we supposed to be people who... A comic's job is to look at the world differently than everybody else. So why the fuck do so many of us look at business exactly the same? It makes no sense to me. That's very true. And and that's that's what I've always tried to do. I've always gone, okay, this is how a hundred people have just failed at doing something. How can I do it? How can I get across this river if everybody keeps drowning? Well, you've gotten across a river. Uh, I'm. Or you're 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 more across the river than a lot of people. Yeah, I. Would I say. I things have been good, you know, the difference in my career in the last 2 years is astounding. Um and, you know, I'm very excited about where I am right now cuz it's one of those things, you know, Hollywood Hollywood is a castle with a with a giant moat and it's so hard to see how to get in the castle and then once you're in the castle you're like, "Oh, all right, everybody's just we're just in the castle now and it's okay." <laughs> so once you have a show, once you have an EP credit, once you have you know, a host credit, like people start looking at you as that. No matter how well you did at it or how poorly you did at it, it doesn't matter. It's, you know, people go, oh, well, you've done that before. You've got the experience to do it. Okay. Which always confused me because I think talent is more important than experience. But I've always said that. I've I've always said that this is the one, and it also seems to me maybe, and you'd probably be the perfect person to uh, comment on this, that in this business especially, youth and and new and fresh as far as uh no exposure yet is so much more appealing to the industry than somebody who's been around for a while it's actually i see it this way and i see it in sports as well whenever i see a team trade an all-star for a couple of draft picks they're like well maybe one of these draft picks will become an all-star like, but you you but just had, you an, had all-star. an all-star you had one you had one already there was already for a maybe why do you do that and so many, so many teams do that. Um, it, it happens in, in entertainment all the time because people are so excited of like, well, what if this is the next big thing? It's like, well, part of how he or she will become the next big thing is because you've decided they will be. If you decide anyone of any age is the next big thing, you can make that happen as long as they have the minimum amount of talent. Right. Um, you know, there are some people who are just so talented that it doesn't matter and they're just going to make it no matter what. But for the most part, it's about other people giving you that opportunity. But would you say that um, a lot of the... Because uh, I've, I've, I've been saying this, like it seems that this is the only industry where the more experience you have, the more time you put into it, the more you've been around, the less likely people are to take a chance on you because they think, well, if he's been around this long and nothing's happened, he obviously is not going to make it. Well, it is true at certain levels. Um, I'll give you... Two examples. One, the external, which is, you know, there was someone not not too long ago who, you know, reached out to me about something, you know, wanted wanted feature work and, you know, and said, I've been doing this for 20 years. And I was like, that's why you shouldn't be a feature. You've been doing this much longer than I have. And you're that further that much further back than me. Mm -hmm. Why? What did you do wrong? How hard are you to work with? How bad are you at this? How much time did you devote to cocaine and strippers? Like, what did you do to prevent, you know, there are there is a certain timeline that if you don't follow and you're behind in it, people, you'll start falling further behind. You know, you should be featuring within five years. Of starting. 
Yes, yes. absolutely. And when I say featuring, I mean regularly. Mm-hmm. You know, you should be headlining within seven to ten. You know, you should be on TV within ten to fifteen. The the people who make it, it's basically seven, ten, fifteen is the rule. Which is seven, you start to get, you, you know, you you start to move up. Ten, you start to get noticed. Fifteen, you start to get famous. And every now and then there's an Aziz who does it much quicker. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there is a Mark Marin who does it much slower. But they're, most people are somewhere in that middle. They're always outliers and everything. Um, for, for myself, you know, when I was 23 and starting out and three months in and already getting paid work, I was a wonderkind. And then when I was five years in and not doing much more than I already was doing... I was lagging behind. And then when I was six years in and I had gotten Ferguson, I was a wonderkind. And then when I was 10 years in and hadn't gotten any other late night shows, I was lagging behind. And so it just kept on going back and forth like that until finally you get your own TV show and then people don't give a fuck how old you are. So it's it's a weird, it is a, it is a very weird business, but so much of it is about people thinking, oh, the potential. What kind of potential do you have? Mm-hmm. And it's like, how? What about what I've already accomplished? Right. Like, oh, but what about, what about potential? It's like, okay, well, but I've already accomplished what you think this next person might do. It's like, but what if they do more? But what if they but, fucking don't? Right. What if I do more? It's so it's, it's just it's a, it it seems like it's just a matter of finding like uh like somebody to really take a chance on a on somebody either who's been around for a while or, or who is just coming up either way that agent manager executive whatever has that power absolutely and one thing that a lot of people don't realize is that when someone does eventually take that chance on you you will not be ready because you will not have the experience you need for that new chance i had to learn how to host a television show on the fly and it was something that like by the third episode i was doing great the first episode, I sucked. I should have been fired. The second episode, I overcompensated. I should have been fired in the other direction. But the by the third episode, you know, I'm I'm a pretty quick study, and it was very important to me. And I was working my ass off to try to figure out how to do it. But the idea that like it pretty much took the whole first season of laughs for me to really be confident in this. And so now I just got a new show for FS1. Oh, congratulations! And thank you. And where you know I'm hosting, and I felt. On set there, I was like, okay, this is how to do this, and this is how to do that. And it was all this stuff that I learned from the first one that, you know, I consider a failure because I wasn't very good. I frankly do not think I was very good. What do you, what would you say is the big difference between hosting just at a club and a live show and hosting a live show on television? Everything. Uh, the first thing I had to learn is you're not hosting for the room. You're hosting past the room. You're also not hosting for everyone watching. You're hosting for one person watching at a time. You are talking to one person on their couch because that's who that's who's watching. Most of the time, someone's watching television by themselves or with one other person. They're not watching in a room full of people. And so you got to think, okay, how do you watch television? Well, how would you want the host to speak to you? And that is what you're doing. You're reaching through the TV to that one person. Also, it's the oddness of where the marks are in terms of where when you're looking at camera and when you're not. And, you know, especially because I was dealing with a live audience, but also then turning to camera. Mm -hmm. Whereas 
when you've got a show like The Daily Show or, or you know any of the late night shows, things like that, they're kind of ignoring the live audience and just playing to the camera. And right. then the live audience is more of a witness to the spectacle. Whereas we were filming at a club where the live audience was the was one of the characters of the show, basically. Mm-hmm. And so it's playing to both of them at once. There was so much of that that was oh. so difficult. Um, and you, you had to learn real quick. Interesting. Well, that, it's funny. I never even really thought about it because I've done, you know, I've done some spots on TV and whatever. And yeah, you, you really, you're told, you, you kind of think to yourself, I need to ignore the camera. I need to just play to the room and have the, uh, the energy, you know, fill the room that's, you know, will hopefully spill out into the audience at home and everything. But you, it's the opposite. It is the absolute opposite. You are the people in the room. Obviously, if you don't get the people in the room, it's difficult. You know, the, the energy that, oh, you need the people in the room. As a comic, you know, we're used to we're used to that live energy. Right. But you also need to understand that you are playing to a million people who aren't in the room. And you need to know how to do that. And it's, you know, how you stand, how you move. I still have habits that I'm trying to break where, oh, do I touch my face too much? Do I shift my weight too much? There's all these things for television. And we would, with laughs, I mean, we were taking... 15 comics in a night and just trying to download information to them and just be like here's what you do you might think you want to walk out it we had a little box on stage Mm -hmm. like you take one step out of that box we cannot use your set you will you will not be lit anymore do not and there were some people who were like "Eh, i'll just lean over no you won't and we can't use you you know there were there were people who we said do not wear a logo whatever you do do not wear a logo we do not have rights to the art and people what about a really small one tv sets or <laughs> magnify things you know mm-hmm. uh don't sing whatever you do don't sing we don't have the rights to the song well i'll just sing a few bars no we can't use you there's so much of that stuff that i had to learn really really quickly and you know it's valuable information but television is a completely different skill than live performing well, it uh, seems like, though, like I said, you're doing it right because you've got... Laughs is going into its third season now? Uh, well, we have no idea about third season. But we're you in just the, we're in the middle of season two. Yeah, it's it's about 99% of season two has been filmed. And then, you know, just filming some pickup stuff. The, oh, good. Has it started yeah. airing again? Yeah, yeah. Oh. I think it's yeah. seven weeks in or something like that. Fantastic. Yeah. And you got this uh, new show on FS1? That's actually the thing I'm most excited about because I'm such a sports fan and such a baseball fan. And so to be able to do stuff... I've been doing a weekly thing with FS1, well, with uh, Fox Sports, with their web property um, since February. And so then it led to me getting a show that's actually going to air. I can't say too much about it because they haven't done the press release yet, mm-hmm. but it's airing the night before the World Series, which is no pretty great prime wow. time. So, yeah. Dude. Prime time, Monday can night. Can you tell us what it's The called? night before the World Series. I can't do that. Oh, okay. But I can tell you I got to go around and I got to – interview Pedro Martinez and I got to Kevin Long the Mets hitting coach taught me a swing and like <laughs> yeah all kinds of crazy stuff like that wow, it was man. just it was such a neat little fantasy camp for me I was just about to say it sounds like a great fantasy it, camp it really was and you know it's something that we hope basically we got one episode it's a it's a special that we hope that they turn into a series and it but it, it was really it was really great I just saw yesterday I got to see the string out for it and it's really they really made me the star of the show, which I didn't think was going to happen. I thought I was kind of a little bit of a narrator, 
and a lot of it's kind of about me, which is crazy, oh, dude. That's so, fantastic, yeah. man. It's it's wow. something that this year I've had I've had such a baseball renaissance this year, and also you know my Mets are in the playoffs, and that's really exciting. <laughs> so it it's just been it's been a hell of a year. It, it was something where, you know, I thought to myself, I was like, well, okay, I'm on TV. What can I what can I use this for? You know, like what what can I do? I, I can do anything I want now, you know, because people, the average person is just impressed that you have a television show, even if it's, I mean, the fact of the matter is more people watch one of my YouTube videos than will ever watch an episode of laughs, <laughs> but people are just excited that it's on television. That's and exactly. so I was like, what can I do? And I was like, well, I want to go to baseball games. I want to, I want to play baseball. And so I got to go to some games and I got to throw some first pitches and stuff like that. And then that kind of led to more stuff. So wow, man. it's, yeah, it's something where, you know, I, I hope laughs does very well for a very long time, but if I could do, if I could do comedy centered around sports for the rest of my life, that's what I would do. My wife told me that I looked happier doing a little two minute web short for Fox sports than I did ever hosting an episode of laughs <laughs> just cause so- it's, it's my, it's it's my dream. It's my love. So that is the landing, the uh, comedy sports show. That is, is the <laughs> landing at the top of the stairs. It's the, right? fir- it's the first landing. First land. First landing. That's the first flight. Yeah. There's that. Well, no, the first flight. I mean, the first flight was you know, getting to do it professionally, you know, and the yep. and the second flight was getting a headline, and the, you know, the third flight was a television appearance, and and that's the thing. I actually got to. Um, the first time I ever got to really like sit down, I was just in a green room on a show, uh, at comics in New York mm-hmm. before that, you know, club unfortunately closed. Was that was Bobby club. Collins room, right? Uh, Bobby Collins was involved. Right. Um, but yeah, but Harlan Halper, who is now my agent, who was one of the owners there, <laughs> uh, and now he's my agent. And, uh, so he, he was kind of the guy who brought me in and, uh, Louis CK was on a show. He just, you know drop by and did a spot and it was very exciting this is before he was super famous he was you know still big and i asked him a question i always try to ask big comics which is you know what was your break what helped you break through and he said and this is something i very much believe that you know it's a series of breaks um everybody gets there are moments in your career where you go okay that was a big deal Mm -hmm. you know getting a late late show was a big deal for me getting laughs was a huge deal for me um, getting my getting past the laugh factory was probably the biggest break I've had recently because it led to so many other things. Um, but it's a series of breaks. It's there is never that one moment where you become an overnight success. It's right. break after break after break after break, and that's that's what builds a career. That's very true. Well, uh, speaking of guys who uh, need big breaks, this is a little part of the show. Okay. Mm-hmm called the skippy green show oh yeah i love skippy it's the skippy green show steve hofstetter skippy it has been a while it has been way too long i remember uh god i had to be back in uh 2005 we were uh we were tag team in that uh improv server back by the dumpster behind the club you remember that i never hook up with servers that wasn't you uh, it might have been. You may just think it was a server. It may. I think it was just someone who came to the show. Ah, uh, whatever. Either yeah. way, I don't talk to him anymore. <laughs> All right, Steve. Here's how this is gonna work. I'm gonna ask you a question. Yeah. And you've got to answer the question in ten words exactly. Okay. At eleven, not nine. Ten words. Ten uh, words. I will act as your finger, so you don't have to think about that. All right. Okay. Here we go. 
if you could fuck. <laughs> oh, that's not the end of the question? Nope. Okay, good. In the middle of any baseball field, what field would it be and why? Oh, uh, that is a that is a great question because my my impulse my impulse is to say, and in ten words or less. Ten words or no, ten words exactly. Ten words exactly. Exactly. Obviously, you don't listen. I'll start again. Okay. If you, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, ten words exactly. Which one and why? A lot of people forget the why. All right. Uh, Ebbets Field, because that means i can travel through time <laughs> right on the money right on the money everybody <laughs> the toughest part about that was i was like do i put an extra word in case i can't get there like because you have to you know like as i could because that would mean that i would be able to you know and i was like i just have to well, i know a lot what of people forget, you know, either add a preposition here or take something away, and they totally uh, miss the why. You yeah. nailed it on the head, my friend. Now, Skippy, I don't know if you remember this, because I don't know if you ever used the joke, but I wrote a joke for you once. Did you really? I did, because uh, it was a joke that I it came out in a set, and it did not fit me at all, and I was like, Skippy Green could use this. Remind me what the joke was. It was, uh, this means you did not use it. So <laughs> I might have. I might have back. I've been, so, I write okay. a lot. So, <laughs> so I... It it was uh, I was doing a teen tour show at the Improv, Beautiful. and I opened the show. I just go ah seventeen, such a great age, and they're kind of looking at me like what? And I go because it means you can fuck seventeen year olds, and then I realized it was not a fitting of my act. So I was like, I think this might be Skippy Green, or maybe it could be like a fifteen year old. I don't know. But you know, I, th- I think I uh, I think I did use that line once or twice, and I got laid from it. Nice. Yeah, it was a lot of a. Uh, Good seventeen-year-old, good seventeen-year-old twang. Let me tell yeah. you, there is nothing like some seventeen-year-old oh, twang. I miss you, Skippy. Oh, I, I miss you too. Why haven't you called me for laughs? I well, I, it's all right. I I'm working. You're chuckles. too big. Yeah, you're too big. I'm too big. Aren't you working the Chuckle Puddle in Oxnard? Actually, yes, headlining the Chuckle Puddle. Uh, Where comedy reigns. <laughs> Comedy reigns. Fuck seventeen-year-olds. Any of the yeah. lines you got for me? <laughs> this is perfect, <laughs> dude. Oh man, thank you so much for doing this, Steve. I really appreciate you coming by, man. This was my pleasure. This it, was. I. I'm happy. I'm happy we were able to do this. Me too, man. Me too. And I'm really. I from the bottom of my heart, I'm very happy for all of your success. You're a. You're a really great comic. A really good man. And uh, you deserve this and many other landings on your staircase to happiness. I hope that one day my success can reach what you think it is now. <laughs> dude, like, like I said, for me, uh, success has just been making a living and then if you're making a comfortable living that's beyond success to me you know that's just because i don't know about you but for me since i was eight years old all i wanted to be was a comedian and now you know i'm 40 and i you know i have a house i have a wife i tour i make to me this is success not that i'm done but i'm able to finally kind of relax and go okay you know i could i could take a i could take a break Uh, you know i've i've gotten beyond where I ever thought I would be. So now it's just everything else is just gravy. I I I wish I could do that. I there's a part of me that will always go, okay, what's next? 
and it's the part of me that got me here, but it's also the part of me that destroys me. <laughs> so so you, you need to find that compromise. You need to, you need to yeah. not, I don't say rest on your laurels, but take a nap on your laurels. Yeah. You know? it's, it's very weird that like, so there's a project that I'm working on right now that I co-created with Greg Jeffries, who used to, so he was, name, yeah. he was a ball player. Um, okay. He two-time all-star, uh, but he came up with the Mets and he was my favorite player when I was a kid. I wore number nine in Little League because that was his number. And now, like, he's become a creative partner and a close friend. Like, we're buddies. And, you know, we, like, text and hang out. And, and it's one of these things where it went so quick for me from, hey, this is amazing. I just got a text from Greg Jeffries. This is so cool. To be like, oh, yeah, it's Greg. Like, it, it goes so quickly for me that I never really – stop and enjoy it you know i never i never really take a moment to go what the fuck life am i in this is weird (laughs) you know that i that i really i gotta remind myself to do that sometimes you 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 do i think it's it's the uh you know not that what you are doing and haven't done and have done hasn't gotten you to this to what i still consider a very wonderful level of success but yeah you definitely need to take stock of everything i think that's one of the keys to life is just Instead of keep keep on running, just stop for a second and go, wow, look how far I've come. Holy yeah. Shit. All right, back to the race kind of thing. Yeah. And exactly. take a vacation with your wife, for God's sakes. Yeah. Well, take we're, a cruise. We're going. <laughs> take, take a, a cruise. cruise. Next time you're working a cruise, you tell me. I, I'm going to come. I'm working through December of next yeah. year. So I, uh, I we're actually going to, and it's funny because it's kind of vacation, kind of not because it's centered around comedy, but uh, my intent is to go up and do the Seattle competition again this year. And to part, perform in it? Yeah. We love Seattle, and it's a neat excuse to go up there. And Shouldn't you be judging it at this point? I, you know, I, there are plenty of great comics who go and do it, and I'm not as good as them, so I'm happy to go do it. I, you know, maybe yeah. I'll win, maybe I won't. I fucking love that. Wait, hum- I mean, humility. Why not? You still, it's still the humility. It's that. Well, I also want $6,000, but, like, <laughs> it's a, <laughs> no, the, the, the idea of, uh, like, I, there are certain things that I don't need to do anymore. Um, you know, like I'm not going to take a shitty gig that I don't want because it's beneath me to do something I don't want to do. But it's never beneath you to do something you still want to do. And I had so much fun when I was in Seattle two years ago, and it was so great, and my wife and I love it up there. And so why not take a month and just go hang out and do a bunch of great shows and if i win great and if i don't i had a wonderful time it's a great attitude man so yeah that'd be great well you know i wish you the best of luck in seattle then either for vacation or competition thank you i'd still i mean i'm still waiting on the selection i have not i can't make plans yet (laughs) well i'm sure the way that everything is going for you i'm sure that will uh definitely come to fruition if they don't i'm like what the fuck come on guys come on i'm steve goddamn hofstetter (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that is my middle name. How did you know my middle name? I've done my research on you. Yeah, it's a bit You're, blasphemous that my yeah, parents did that. <laughs> I but I know. My, I feel bad for my brother, Darren motherfucking Schultz. Yeah. Yeah. Just, it was <laughs> just never had a shot. Never had a chance. Uh, where can people find you online, by the way? I, I On all, almost all my social media, it's just at Steve Hofsetter. Uh, you can also go to stevehofsetter.com. Google will correct you on the spelling. Uh, and H-O-F-F-S-T-E one F H-O-F-S-T-E-T-T-E-R ah, I knew there were two I but thought it was the F's that's okay uh, that is something that I promised my father a long time ago that I got into show business so that people will eventually learn how to spell Hofstetter <laughs> so we'll, we'll get there 
absolutely. But uh, thank you so much again for doing this, man. And uh, check out Steve online at uh, Steve Hofstetter, H-O-F-S-T-E-T-T-E-R. Very good. Yes. And um, let's tune in for season two of Laughs and uh, Day Before the World Series. October 26th, FS1, uh, in conjunction with MLB Network. And I, I can't wait till they actually let me talk about this fucking show because it's, it's a really good show. I so can't wait to hear about it, man. Thanks again, dude. Thank you. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you later. Bye-bye. What's for dinner? What's for dinner? What, what's for dinner? Talking, talking about what's ever on their minds. Talking, talking about what's ever on their minds.